0: desiring to be a man of God, and that the best chance for success for a family after that marriage is that, boy, if the man is on fire for Jesus, it will affect the, the wife and it will affect the kids. We talked about a home builders looking at the role of a mother, a role of, of a woman in a family as well. And then last week, we talked about this idea that we can give our kids a home court advantage. A home court advantage, raising our kids, not letting someone else do the hard work, but us protecting our homes and, uh, and encouraging. And when we have uh, a, a good, healthy home, our kids will be raised up, according to Scripture, with God's help. All along we've said, if you're off track, if you've taken a detour on any of these things, that God, He never lets go of us. It's like a little GPS system. Boy, if we get off track, it's saying recalculate, recalculate, recalculate. Get back on track. And I want to encourage us that even today, as we talk about, as we kind of transition, make a full circle, we want to talk about the possibility of leaving a godly legacy. When we talk about family matters, what are we leaving? I believe that successful, healthy families leave a positive heritage. And I believe that each week we've been praying for the Holy Spirit to challenge us. Whether we're a student, whether we're uh, grown, our kids are grown out of the house, whether we're a young couple, whether we're in the thick of of trouble, that the Holy Spirit would just capture our hearts. And I'm praying that again. And I'm gonna ask just uh, for us to pause because as we talk about this idea of legacy, I know that it is God's heart for us to be passing a catchable pass uh, or or throwing catchable passes for the next generation. And we're going to talk about that this morning, what that means for us. But let's ask the Holy Spirit just just to guide us at this moment. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you are a great God. Lord, even though this service in the next couple minutes is going to take a little different look something we don't ever do. I'm not sure we've ever done. God, I pray that you would be here in our midst, that we'd be able to stay focused on this idea of leaving a legacy, a godly legacy. God, I pray that as we will assess our own past, as we consider the present today, and as we consider the future, God, I pray that you would be glorified this morning. Challenge hearts today, and God will give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. The ushers are going to be passing out to each person here a little survey that, we're, that I'm going to walk us through in just a moment. The fact of the matter is, the reality is that each of us are past a heritage. Each and every one of us is past a heritage. That's a reality, but there's also this reality that each of us are living a heritage. Right now, today, this past week, we are living a heritage, and there's this reality that each of us here, we're going to pass on a heritage to our family. Each of us are going to do that. And this morning, I want to talk about the possibility to leave a godly heritage. And I want to use this illustration because it's football season and it's fun. And some of you guys are going to go home and watch football today or tonight or tomorrow night or Thursday night or whenever. And you're going to be watching football. I want this to be a visual because we know that it is possible to throw a catchable pass for our kids and for those in our family. What values will you pitch your family? What kind of things? And so we're going to look at three areas. What have we received as far as legacy is concerned? What choices today, what kind of living do we need to be making today to focus on the third thing, to focus on throwing a catchable pass to our families? To help us with this, each of us have a survey. If you need a pen, just raise your hand and we'll get you one. There's a survey from Focus on the Family that will help us assess three areas of legacy. The first one is the emotional legacy. The second one is a social legacy. And then the third one is a spiritual legacy, which I believe is probably the most important of the three. All right, And so what we're going to do, I want you to flip on the back side of your survey, the side where it's got blanks, Okay, and uh, don't get too far ahead of us. Don't, you don't need to worry about the, the back side. And what I want to do is I want to take us through a, uh, a group of questions that will help us assess. Now, on each of these questions, there are going to be six answers. One, two, three, four, five, six. I want you to, to fill in the blank with a number... That closely represents what kind of legacy was passed on to you in each of these these circumstances. So let's look at number one, and we'll talk through that, all right? We're going to look at the emotional legacy first. The first question says, when you walked into your house, what was your feeling? Number one, dread. Number two, tension. Number three, chaos. Number four, stability. Number five, calm. Or number six, warmth. Now, w- with each of these, I want you to fill this out, and each person here to do this, I want you to fill it out. If you feel like when you walked into your house, what was your feeling? If it was dread, I want you to put number one in the number one slot. All right? Is everyone, any questions about what we're doing? Yes. Uh, when you were growing up, 18 and under, all right? So, and some of you are under that, all right? So, at, in that uh, family, uh, that, that time, okay? Okay? So when you were walked into your house, what was your feeling? Dread, tension, chaos, stability, calm, or warmth? Was that your question too? Yes. About what age? Okay. And so we're looking at what, what was passed on to us, all right? Not what's present, all right? What was it like growing up for us, okay? All right, so we're going to keep, keep on moving here. Number two, which word best described the tone of your home? Was it hateful? Angry, sad, serious, relaxed or fun. Which word best describe the tone of your home? and just put in one, two, three, four, five, or six. Number three: What was the message of your family life? You are worthless. You are a burden. You are OK. You are respected you are important, or you are the greatest. All right, so what comes to mind first when you think about your growing on? What was passed on to you for each of these? Number four, which word describes the fragrance of your home? I like that. What was the fragrance of your home? Was it repulsive? Was it rotten? Was it unpleasant? Was it sterile? Was it fresh? Or was your fragrance of your home sweet? All right? And put in a number that represents that. Now, some of you youth, some of you guys, I understand that when you walk into your room, it may smell rotten. What we're talking about is the, the feeling, all right? The emotional uh, the part here, okay? The emotional legacy. All right, then number five, what is, or what was most frequent in your home? An intense fight, the silent treatment, Detached apathy, a strong disagreement, a kind word, or an affectionate hug. All right? And then, once you fill in those, we'll move on to the next, and then we'll talk about totaling those up in just a moment. Did I? I think there's only five for each of these. That was a mistake on my part, all right? All right, so let's move on to a social legacy. There's only five questions for each of these categories. That was my fault. When I did the template of how to put this together, I put in six questions. All right, let's look at social legacy, and we're moving on here. Question number one, same kind of thing. What was uh, the question, you put the number that best reflects the legacy you have received from your family, from your parents, okay? Which words most closely resemble the social tone of your family. The social tone. Was it cruel and abusive? Was it cutting sarcasm? Was it chaotic and distant? Was it non but stable? Was it secure with open communication? Or was it fun and loving? All right? Number two. What was the message of your home life with regard to relationships? All right, we on track? All right. Okay, what was the message of your home with regard to relationships? Now I'm off. Okay, step on others to get your way, hurt them if they hurt you, demand your rights. Mind your own business, treat others with respect, or put others before yourself. Okay? All right. Number three, how were, how were rules set and enforced in your family, in your home? Independent of relationship, in reaction to parental stress, so that your parents are stressed out and they're saying, all right, you're grounded. <laughs> all right, that's what that means. Dictorial, inconsistently, out of concern for my well-being or in the context of a loving relationship. Now again, this is what was passed on to you. Number four, which word characterizes the tone of communication in your home? Was it shouting? (laughs) Was it manipulation? Was it confusing? Was it clear? Was it constructive or was it courteous? All right, and so we're filling out for that. Number five, how did your family deal with wrong behavior? Was there subtle reinforcement? Accepted in the name of love? Was there a guilt trip associated? Was there severe punishment? Was there a discussion? Or was it loving and firm discipline? Okay? Okay. And I know this has taken some time, but I think you're going to see the value as we do this. The third category is a spiritual legacy. A spiritual legacy, same idea. Question number one, to what degree were spiritual principles incorporated into daily family life? Never, rarely, sometimes, frequently, almost always, or consistently talking about daily spiritual principles. Number two, which word captures the tone of how you learned to view or to relate to God? Was it absent? Adversarial? Was Was it fearful? Was it casual? Solemn? Or was it intimate? How you learned to view or to relate God. Number three, how would you summarize your family's level of participation in spiritual activities? Non existent? Was it rare that you were at church or at spiritual activities? Occasionally? Was it regimental? Was it active? Or was it enthusiastic, your involvement in spiritual activities? Number four, how were spiritual discussions? applied in your home? Spiritual discussions, they weren't. (laughs) They were to control or to manipulate, to teach, to influence, or to reinforce. All right? And the last question is, what was the perspective in your home regarding moral absolutes if it feels good do it there are no absolutes let your heart guide you were moral absolutes dogmatic legalism moderate conservative or were there clear boundaries now with each of these i want you to add up for each of those categories the numbers real quick there's five of them five times three is fifteen whatever the case might be. And then at the bottom, it says that if you were above 24 in that category, there was a strong legacy in that area. 19 to 24, there was a healthy legacy. 14 to 18, it was a mixed legacy. There were some good elements and bad elements. 10 to 13 were weak, spirit, or were weak legacy. And then below 10, which is very possible, is a damaged legacy in that area. Now we do this survey, and I hope that you'll uh, take this and at some point flip it over, put it in your box, and read the back in each of those areas. We do this survey to challenge us, to, to consider what has been passed on to us. We all have good and bad parts, to our legacy, what we have inherited. The key in evaluating, though, is helping to assess what kind of legacy do we want to pass to the next generation? What would we include on a list of what we would like to give? Values, convictions, socially, emotionally, financially, spiritually. Now, the warning is is that for all of us, we can slip into patterns of the status quo. We may understand what a good spiritual legacy is or a good emotional legacy or even a good social legacy. We may understand that, but we may settle for so much less than that strong legacy that, we are, that I think all of us would desire. We settle for crumbs when there's a whole steak dinner on the table. And what I want to challenge us is to understand where we've been. Someone else cannot do the job of passing on a legacy in your family. Teachers and the church can have good intentions to do those things, to make a good impact, but the responsibility lies in the family. The culture and friends will try to make an impact, but where is the responsibility? It's in the home, right at home. And I don't want you to get caught up in the culture because the culture will, be, will fill things with casual sex and violence and relativism. They'll redefine what a traditional family is and all of a sudden you're here and you're, there's a blur of what, what would we really desire to pass on to the next generation. Frankly, if we we're honest, some of us are probably uncomfortable with the idea that we are going to pass something on. You say, man, if I consider what's today or what's been my past, boy, I feel inadequate. I don't feel properly trained. And so we pass off the responsibility. We say, well, someone else will do it. Sometimes we get so busy that we miss opportunities. We get so tired that when there's a teachable moment at home in any of these areas, we let it slide because... We need our sleep or we're just emotionally drained or socially drained or even spiritually. There's burned out. Others of us have lived with a level of dysfunction in our home family. If we took a chance to say, okay, how did you do in these areas, and which we're not going to do, don't worry, I won't pick on you. But if you were weak or if it was, uh, what did it say there um, at the bottom? Um that it was non-existent, damaged legacy or a weak. I want you to know if you lived with a level of dysfunction in your home, you don't have to settle for that. You can desire a strong, healthy, godly heritage to leave. Now, there is a reality. The Bible talks about generational sin, isn't there? That it'll be passed on for four generations. But I want you to know that is not always the case. That doesn't have to be. And we're going to talk about a story in the Bible about that in a minute. Sometimes there was alcohol in the family or drugs. There was hypocrisy. Maybe you were active in church, but man, at home there was was no spiritual formation. There may have been abuse or hurt or pain. Maybe your family, you guys were so far in debt that you can't even imagine what, what a, a normal or a healthy financial situation would even look like. Maybe there was spiritual apathy in your family. No matter what kind of legacy was given to us, I want to impress on all of our hearts, including my own, that it is possible to pass a catchable pass, a strong, healthy legacy in each of these areas. Now, the good news is that God has a plan for us In our Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah 29.11. Jeremiah 29.11, some of us could quote it, but I want to turn there because if it's not underlined in your Bible, I want to make sure that you take a chance to do that this morning. Jeremiah 29.11 talks about God's plans for us as His people. This is what the Lord says in verse 10. It says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to to bring you back to this place. See, the people were in exile. the, The children of Israel were taken away, taken to Babylon, and they were at a point where they felt like their legacy was messed up. It was screwed up, and they didn't see the future of what God had planned for them. And the children of Israel, God is talking to them, and he's saying, Look, I will fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to a healthy place. And then in verse 11, I want you to circle this, underline highlight it. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Those words are life. You ask, What is God's plan? It's good plans. God knows these things. Last week we talked about the role of a parent. in, De- in Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine, talks about impressing on our kids uh, morals and standards, to bind them on their hands, put them on their foreheads, talk about them as you go, and uh, before you put them to bed and as you walk along the street to impress these things. Proverbs 22, 6 says to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he does, when he gets old, he won't depart from that. When we look at the definitions of these things, these these legacies, I want to get a mental picture here. Um, An emotional legacy, it says here, in order to prosper, our children need an enduring sense of security and stability, nurtured in an environment of safety and love. All right? We can turn to scriptures like Ephesians 6, 4 that talk about nurturing, not exasperating our kids. So an enduring sense of security, stability, nurtured in an environment of safety and love. That would be the goal, to to do that on the emotional side. Socially, to really succeed in life, it says here, our children need to learn more than management techniques, accounting, reading, writing, and geometry, they need to learn the fine art of relating to people. If they learn how to relate well with others, they will have an edge in the game of life. How many would agree that that's true? Absolutely, I think it's very true. And then it says here, the spiritual legacy is often overlooked by many, but that's a mistake. As spiritual beings, we adopt attitudes and beliefs about spiritual matters from one source or another. And as parents, this is from Focus on the Family, we need to take the initiative and present our faith to our children. Like we talked last week, don't let someone else do it. God's heart is for us to have success in each of these areas. And it is absolutely possible. God wants that. But you know, As much as God has a plan, we know that there's a plan from the enemy as well, a plan to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan would love to bring destruction to your family, to bring apathy. If he could just get you so you don't care, he would love to bring a curse or addiction into your family. And again, the generational sin can be passed on from generation to generation. But I want to say, don't give up hope. There's a story in the Bible that I love. I was a children's pastor before I came here three years ago to be the pastor here. And there's a story about King Josiah. Does anyone know how old King Josiah was when he took the throne? Seven or eight? You got it. Seven or eight. He was eight years old. And he was given the kingdom. Now you talk about a dysfunctional background, if you back it up and look at his father and his grandfather, they were wicked leaders. Idol worship, immorality, to the point that it threatened the entire nation, the children of Israel. And at age eight, Josiah stepped up and he reversed that trend. He broke the curse at that point. You say, well, how did he do that? Well, with help of others, They were able to purge the idols out of Judah. They were able to repair the temple, and they saved the nation. They broke the cycle. And I know some of your stories, and I know that there are some levels of dysfunction that you would love to break and not pass on to your kids, to the next generation. And I just want to say, it is possible. My mom sat with me a few weeks ago right here. And my mom, we told the story, I think a little bit, she came from a broken home, a Christian home, but a broken home. My grandpa was a pastor, a traveling evangelist. I don't know the details. My, I'm not sure my mom even understands fully what happened. But when my mom was 12 years old, my grandma and my grandpa separated and divorced. But my mom, at, those, at that time, determined that they were going to do things different, that they were going to break that curse because you know the statistics of divorce, passing that on, are very real. And that those statistics, the, the likelihood of if you come from a divorced family, there's, you're more likely to, to find yourself in that situation. It is possible to break generational curses through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to just challenge us to have that mindset that God has a great plan, that God is a redeemer, We may have made mistakes already. There may be students here. You're saying, man, I have messed up. My future is not looking bright. Maybe you've made mistakes as far as school or maybe mistakes as far as relationships. Maybe you've already made mistakes financially. You're saying, man, I can't even see the light of day. I'm doomed. I want to say, no way. You can take a stand. God is a redeemer. We all have areas of weakness, but God when we put him in charge, put him in control, he can make a difference. So I want us to consider what has been passed to us. When you look at that, does it put a smile on your face? Are there positive areas saying, boy, I'm, I'm thankful for the legacy that has been passed to me? Are there areas you're saying, well, it was okay, some good, some bad? Or are you saying, man, this morning, man, My upbringing really was horrible. (laughs) And there's some reality in that, that that is a fact of life for some. They grew up in that. You didn't choose it, but it kind of, that's just the system where we were. I think for you today, I think for each of us, we need to address where we are today, the reality of this moment. Have you given your heart to Jesus? Have you made a commitment for the Lord? And if you have, you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new is here. God will put you on a path. And as we look forward, what will your family be known for? If you take these three things, the social and the emotional and the spiritual, I want you to imagine that those are like three ropes that are by themselves you could kind of break, maybe string. You say, well, I could break that string, okay? But I want you to imagine weaving those together the emotional and the social and the spiritual together to make a three, uh, three uh, cord strand. The strength in that, you can't break it as easy. And I believe God wants us to, to do just that. Today, you can cultivate a desire to do that. Don't blame anyone else for what's happened. Take responsibility for today and for what is looking ahead. I wanted you to turn in with me in your Bibles to uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. There's a great example of passing on a legacy from generation to generation. On the stage here, we've got three chairs representing this section of verse here. And we're going to look at this, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 starting in verse 3 It says this says I thank God whom I serve this is Paul writing to Timothy as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I consistently pr- remember you in my prayers recalling your tears I long to see you again so that I may be fulfilled or filled with joy and then in verse 5 is a remarkable verse that speaks of passing on a legacy. What we have here are three chairs with three different names. And as we read these names, I want you to imagine generation one, first generation, second generation, and then third generation. Okay? Let's look at it. Verse 5. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith. Now he's writing to Timothy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, first generation, and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Three generations of believers. Passed on. One, two, three. Now the reality is, in my family, I'm a fourth generation believer. My great-grandma was first generation, sat in this seat, Grandma Miller. And I think I've shared some of that story, that my grandma and my grandpa were persecuted severely. They were ousted from their family they were up in Canada. Uh, the, the very very wealthy landowners, uh, hundreds and hundreds of acres. And my, my grandma Miller and her husband, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, but Grandma and Grandpa Miller, when they gave their heart to the Lord, they got coal in their stockings. Literally, coal as gift at Christmas time. It was a la- They were the laughing stock of their family, but they were committed. They had nothing. They had nothing. Poor. But they passed on my Grandma Miller to my Grandma Vay. Grandma and Grandpa Vay were second generation Christians. You've met my Grandma. Those of you that have been around, they visited. They live on the Detroit side. And Grandma and Grandpa Vay served the Lord. They raised their kids in a godly home to the best of their ability. And they passed. Those beliefs on to my dad, Dan. My dad served the Lord. He married my mom. They committed to pass it on again. But what I want you to know is that there's a danger thinking of generational uh, heritage. Because Lois made a decision, did not automatically mean that Eunice was going to make a decision. And because Eunice made a decision did not automatically mean that Timothy was going to serve the Lord. See, what has to happen is that Lois needs to pass a catchable pass in this area of legacy, something that Eunice could catch, and Eunice needs to become a first-generation Christian of her own. And Eunice needs to instill and throw a pass to Timothy that he can catch and understand where Timothy is not a third-generation Christian, but he is a first-generation Christian. It's his own. He, that Timothy does not live underneath the wing of his parents and just ride. He's not along for the ride. There's a moment in each of our kids where there will be a moment of accountability And they need to receive that pass of emotional legacy, of social legacy, and that spiritual legacy needs to be passed on. And they need to catch it so they can run with it. See, I don't believe that God intends for any of us to just think of ourselves as third or fourth generation Christians. For me and my family, it's our decision to serve. What are we going to pass on? What values, what things would God put in our spirits, in our hearts, for our family? One of the things that I admire about families that consider these types of things is I believe that as we consider these, that we should uh, be writing down some of the things that are important to us. Matt and Cindy Biller, I'm sure you don't mind me sharing But just recently, Matt, when we were talking about this, he emailed me a mission statement for his family. And it was cool. Written down. Hey, this is what we believe. This is what we're believing God for. Write it down. You know what's so interesting? There's a verse in the Old Testament talking about vision that says you write down the vision. Why? Not so it makes you feel good, right? You write it down so those that read it, so when your kids read this, when they get to the age that they can read, so they can run with it. So, Matt and Cindy, Nate and Abby, they will not be third generation or fourth generation Christian, okay? The goal is that they would be first generation believers, passionate about their walk with the Lord. See, for each of us, for each of our families, we must be intentional. We must be consistent. It's not a one time event, guys. It's not something that we take care of and check it off and say okay, we've we've taken care of that. It's a process that takes those formative years of instilling. And then at some point when our kids go off to college or our kids grow up and get married, they're going to receive something from us that they will take with us or with them for the rest of their life. What are you passing this morning? along what kind of legacy are you believing god for to make an impact for the next generation and this morning for all of us we need to get started oops we need to get started we need to understand where we are what's been given to us we need to take the good we need to reject the bad break that generational curse if if that's applicable and move forward, trusting God to leave a legacy. Church, family matters. Your home is the best opportunity for you to make an impact on your kids. The church, Pastor Mark, we're going to come alongside. We want to help. We want to create opportunities, environments. For, for healthy spiritual formation, and emotionally, and even and even um, uh, socially, but the responsibility lies in the home. What are you passing on? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Worship team, if you'd come this morning, I want to take a moment. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For weeks now, I've been kind of anticipating this moment of considering our future. Future as a church, but then future as a a family, a body of believers, and then individually, to consider what are we passing Are we throwing a catchable pass? Are we so tired and worn out, defeated, that it's a weak pass is not getting to our kids? Or maybe we're overzealous and we're overthrowing our kids and they're just left, not receiving. I had this idea and I I believe it's from the Lord that this morning that as the Lord would lead that there would be moms and or dads that would be able to pray a prayer that would reflect what they're believing for in their family. And what I see in my mind, and have asked the Lord to confirm in this moment, and I realize it's gonna take some guts for some of us to do this. But for right where you are, worship team, you can participate, but that you would stand, and you would pray a prayer that we would all be able to agree with a picture of what God has put in your heart for your family as you consider throwing a catchable pass. And last week we had a great testimony from John and Dolores Salwin. And John, I'm going to ask that you would stand first and pray a prayer of of legacy, of what you had prayed or something that was on your heart just to kind of prime the pump. And then after John does, I just want to encourage you, if the Lord is impressed in your heart, stand up. Students, this does not eliminate you. If you feel impressed to pray out a prayer of what you are believing God for, I want to encourage you to stand and to pray because I believe as we do that, We will hear others and it will inspire us to consider our own legacy of what we're passing to the next generation. John, why don't you stand and pray and uh, we'll agree. And then others, as many that will, let's pray and ask God to show us what He would have for our families. Hallelujah. If families, John and Dolores, I want you guys to stay standing. I want each family that desires to leave a strong, healthy legacy to just stand and affirm that. The husband or the wife, just say it out loud. Um, Go ahead. I desire to... Right. Right. Who else, yeah, say it nice and loud so others can hear. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, who else? Come on, just one. All the stand this morning. Lord, I desire to leave a strong legacy for my family, to understand my past, to embrace today, and to look forward to the future. God, I pray that the areas that Where I struggle, Lord, I pray that I would not pass those things to my kids, but the areas that are healthy and good, Lord, I pray that I'd be able to pass, to throw a catchable pass. And Lord, I know it doesn't happen on accident. And I know that it's not a one-time event. And so today, as we have families standing all across this place, I pray that you would impress in our hearts and in our spirits a desire to make a difference in our families. Because, Lord, family matters. family matters Holy Spirit we need your help thank you Lord that this morning there were those that declared breaking generational curses those that declared a desire to be first generation those that declared a desire to pass on strong, healthy, biblical legacy. Lord, capture our hearts, and God will give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just want you to look around for a moment. Just take a look at the families that are here. Some are here, haven't been here in a long time. Others of you have been here for a month or two. Others of you you here have been here longer than I've been here. But this is the body of Christ. And in order for us to succeed in our families, we need a support. And I desire, as your pastor, to be leading a, a transformational church where there's great support as we raise our families. I want you to go from here today with a new perspective, asking God for maybe what you didn't have or asking God for what what was passed on to you to be repeated. Don't take it for granted. Don't settle for crumbs. You can do it. It's possible. Amen? Amen. One quick request came in during service. Uh, It says, Jody McNeil had called around 11 o'clock, said that Maggie's in a lot of pain again, and they'll be making their trip back home, but asking to pray again. They knew that we prayed. She said, Jody asked that we pray again, that the pain would be taken away. And uh, we want to do that. Anyone feel led to pray out for Maggie this morning? Um, Just... Yeah, Dennis, please. Praise your Lord. Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name.
1: Lord, we thank you that you are the God that we are Yes. And as long as we have breath, Lord, we will pray to you. Yes, God.
0: Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit guide you, go before you, behind you, and all around you. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful week. Tonight, small groups plan to be there with us.